Hello everybody and welcome to the Uniformed Handball Hour and for the first time ever it's just myself, Brian Campion and Alex Kulesh, the godfather, the big daddy, Kevin De Bruyne, Ed Sheeran, whatever you want to call him, Chris O'Reilly is not with us today so we basically it basically feels like for us that uh, our parents are gone away for the weekend and we can do whatever we want. Can do whatever we want but also kind of don't know what to do feel very lost though, Chris. <laughs> we, well, we could talk about whatever we want. Did you watch the football at the weekend? It was class, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, what other sports can we talk about? The NBA playoffs are on. That's, that's unbelie- un- unbelievable freedom at the moment. No, but you were, you were probably watching what seemed to be like, and I, stupidly enough, couldn't get my link working and only got it working for the last few minutes of the Polish war, or the, the Holy War, excuse me, uh, and the season decider between Kielce and Vista Plutsk. And just from going on what people were saying on Twitter, people were losing their minds about how good of a game it was. And I think it was kind of set up within the first 35 seconds when Miroslav Terzic got a red card uh, straight away just to set the tone for the rest of the game. Yeah, well, I, I was expecting to spend this podcast talking about uh, the Champions League quarterfinals that we just saw. Maybe a bit of a preview of that uh, final four. We have the European League Final Four coming up this weekend as well. You know, all these big games, but my mind has been completely blown tonight by watching that game between Kielce and Vyslaplask. And don't worry, we will talk about Champions League and European League later in this podcast, but I just, I am still overwhelmed by the intensity of that game. It was set up as perfectly as you can um, with... Both teams having a perfect season, except for Kielsa beating Visa Plusk by one goal earlier in the season. So both teams have won every other game in the Polish league, which meant that at home, Visa Plusk had to win by two goals to clinch um, the Polish championship, clinch a place in the Champions League, you know, something they haven't done for quite a while now. And... After 35 seconds, that seemed to be out the window when uh, Terzic got a red card. It was one of five red cards in the game. And I, you have to say that it, it wasn't the referees having a field day or anything. The intensity of the game was just insane. And I think the players were just too hyped up. Pretty much all of the red cards were for uh, tackles to the face. Most of them completely justified one slightly dodgy one for uh, Visa Plotsk, uh, their third one of the half and uh, the last or well it was the second red card of the day was for a penalty straight to the face of Andy Wolf uh, which again I'm still not clear on the rules I, I we always talk about it how if it is a shot in the face is it or is it not a red card? But I think is the rule that during a penalty, it is a red card? Is that the only situation? I think so, yeah. I think from open play, we were always saying that it should automatically be, but it's actually, I think that's not the rule. But from a penalty, yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, so it was a clear shot in the face, uh, which seemed to just revitalize Andy Wolf, who had one of the most incredible performances I have ever seen from him, from any goalkeeper, really. He had 20 saves throughout the game, including six penalties. So the game, in the end, finished 20-20, meaning that Kielsa are the Superliga champions for 2022. But it didn't come without its ups and downs. Visa Plotsk were really in control of the game, despite their three red cards in the first half. They went in 12-10. They then stretched the lead up to five goals at one stage in the second half. And it really felt like Kielsa were falling apart. Uh, Visa Plotsk had all of the momentum. And then they scored three goals in the last 12 minutes allowing Kielsa to come back, missing six penalties. Visapask are going to be absolutely kicking themselves, missing six penalties. The game was just on fire. The arena was on fire. And Kielsa are champions, but uh, Visapask put up an insane fight. Yeah, it's, it's incredible because I was watching it on the following on the ticker and looking at how like Potsk were leading for the whole first half and then, in, then into the second half. And I was thinking, God, this is going to be such a boost for them going into the European League, thinking about what we were going to talk about later for the European League. And then when you hear those numbers about missing six penalties and 20 saves, they should have, I mean, it should have been an, even a non-contest if they had, if they had, if Wolf wasn't playing up to his best. So it's, it's probably, it's, it's a probably a good, a big day for Andy Wolf as well, because he's over the years become, he's been under a lot of criticism with some of his performances in the big matches for Kielsa. And that's a huge one now for him also then with eyes on the on the final four in Cologne. In terms of momentum, I was thinking it's hard to pick a, a side who has the most momentum going into the final four, but that's a huge then boost for, for Kielsa here on out. I think so. And I've been kind of noticing Andy Wolf getting back into form. And even though his numbers, let's say in safe percentage, haven't been, you know, right at the top. He, he hasn't been breaking 40%, uh, getting to 50% on a regular basis, but it's his, I suppose, demeanor, his general demeanor has been much better. It's more confident and, uh, he's been making the tough saves continually and just gathering in form. And I think that's a, a absolutely crucial for Kielsa going into the, the Champions League final four later, well, in the middle of June. A big massive blow then for, for Płock is, uh, for Nico, uh, Minigeda, who I think it was at his ankle or his knee that he injured and he had to it, go off. It, it looked like his knee. Um, and it looked like a pretty bad injury. That was a, I think that was a bit of a turning point in the game as well. I think, um, yeah. has been an absolutely crucial part. He makes that, uh, Plotsk team tick. He is the, you know, their main playmaker. He, everything goes through him. And I think losing him was just difficult for Plots to take. And it is a huge blow. But there was a pretty incredible moment uh, when he did get injured. So, you know, the scene was these two huge rivals are playing against each other for the Polish championship. They hate each other. They've There's already been five red cards. The passion game is insane. But when Mindezia got injured, uh, Artsem Karalek for Kielsa carried the injured player off together with Abel Sergio from Plots. So together they lifted the injured player and carried him off the pitch, showcasing the kind of 
sportsmanship that you know handball is proud of but i think it truly is a moment that uh we as handball fans should be proud of and them as players what what watching nico mandesia whose name i never heard out loud before but yeah <laughs> uh watching him for, during the, in the european league over the whole season as well i mean he's often the, the central point of the of the uh Poitsk attack he's not really a goal machine but in terms of assists and just dictating the play i think he's absolutely crucial and he kind of gives a calmness i think a certain calmness to the to the Poitsk attack so he's going to be obviously a huge loss but what's your gut feeling now with for Poitsk when they've lost this i mean it couldn't have been closer they, they've really left everything on the court there now but will they will, will they walk away damaged from this or will they tomorrow wake up going okay look we pushed Kelsa who have arguably been the best team in the champ- in the Champions League as well so hard and that would give them confidence then going into the European League final for thinking oh maybe we can do one better this year and get to the final I think they are going to be distraught and they're also going to be destroyed physically because that's the type of game it was it was physical it was hard they put in 100% of their effort into that game and I think it's going to take them a couple of days to even, unless, you know, we they are professionals, they, they're going to talk about moving on straight away. But I don't think you can move on from a devastating loss like that, as well as uh, losing your main playmaker. So it could have gone completely different, uh, but it, it goes to that saying of, you know, the, the final fours when you lose on this Saturday you can't get up in the morning if you win you're ready to go ready to play 60 minutes and I think yeah. this is just a longer term version of this it's going to be tough for Plotsky yeah yeah because that's a really really quick turnaround as well I mean if you think it's it's well Tuesday night tonight they've Wednesday Thursday night and I don't know when they were going to be tra- they put the travel into that as well to Portugal that's that's a that's a, a crazy turnaround to then go play two matches yeah it's it, that's tough yeah, absolutely. And they were really trying to find a date for this uh, game between Kielsa and Plotsk because of the different Final Fours and the different big European games. So this game has been moved around a lot. And uh, in the end, it was Plotsk that kind of pulled a short straw there. And it's going to be tough for them. It's going to be tough, right? So should we maybe, instead of maybe reviewing each of the, each of the, the quarterfinal games, maybe we'll use the draw in the men's champions league today to maybe indirectly talk about what we've seen so far in the champions league and then to talk about what we make of the the pairings and we have tv keel versus barca and vesper versus kielsa and i think everyone i mean it was kind of almost impossible to have a bad draw uh but the fact that we have a repeat of the 2020 final with keel versus barca and then we've the, re- the revenge match possibly for Vesper versus Kielsa from that 2016, probably the most memorable handball match ever. Um, I think nobody is walking away from that draw disappointed. I'm licking my lips right now. Those are tasty, tasty matchups. I did say before the quarterfinals that, oh, what a good final Kielsa versus uh, Barcelona might be. So it's still set up for that. But uh, after seeing those quarterfinals, I also don't think is it's as straightforward um i suppose in, in review i was really impressed with how keel got past psg you know looking at the second uh, legs of those quarterfinals you said going into them that 
three teams had both legs in the final four. And that's what really happened. Yeah, so we had Kiel obviously scraping through just by the, the one goal. Um, then we have Barca who progressed on an aggregate score 60 to 53. Then we had uh, Kielsa who absolutely hammered Montpellier in the second leg 30 22. So they went through 61 50. And then we had Vesprem beating Alborg 71 66. It, it was pretty straightforward overall. The Alborg, they did manage to beat Vesprem. Um, they bet them by two goals despite having six players injured. Um, in, in that game, uh, they were relying on scraps, pretty, pretty much Felix, Felix Clare to do anything and their wingers. Um, but it, it wasn't enough. Vesprem were quite comfortable. It was really that Kiel PSG game that was the big one. Uh, again, uh, I could just watch Kiel play PSG for every week. Let's let's just set up a, a whole season of Kiel versus PSG. Uh, <laughs> I'm up for it. Yeah, it was it was definitely that absolute highlight because I mean it was actually quite disappointing the the return leg in in Poland with Kielce Montpellier. I kind of expected a little bit more from from Montpellier, but I was there in the arena obviously as well and. It felt like I was at the final four already, the setup and the show they had beforehand. And there was fans in the arena 30 minutes before the game. And you don't normally see that. You normally see fans coming in maybe 10 minutes before throw off. And they were there for the full warm up chanting and singing. And that's a very, very difficult hall to go to. And just everything that Kielsa as a club are putting into the everything in and around the game as well. You really feel like they're, they're, they're moving places. And with Bertus with all his crazy transfer fees and signing 4,000 players. Uh, for next season and maybe possibly loaning them all out who knows what he's going to do but it's definitely a very exciting time today with that win also in the cup is going to give them a huge boost so i i don't know what you think now but out of all the the four teams would you say it's it's almost impossible to pick a uh, outsider for the first time in a very very long time but i imagine that kielsa will be going in as slight favorites it's hard to look past barcelona as favorites um I suppose they still have, they are missing Fabregas, which is a big loss. Um, but I think, yeah, Kielsa have a lot of momentum right now. Uh, they're playing incredible handball. Although they didn't look that great against Splotsk today. <laughs> they really didn't. Uh, they, they were truly shut down, but th- I think that's a unique game in itself. Again, yeah, was impressed by Kiel, who despite Sagasin having an off day, uh, got through. Uh, they really uh, banded together as a team. They lost Hendrik Peckler, which is a huge, huge loss for them. He got an Achilles injury. I don't know the severity of it, but if it's a torn Achilles, we could be looking at a significant layoff, and it's it's a it's a real pity because he is the driving force. But they do have. Paddy Vincek as a replacement, who was an absolute bull against PSG. He really did everything. Um, in attack, he dominated. In defense, he just smashed people for 120 minutes. I was really impressed by Vincek. And in the end, it, it was interesting. We were talking about uh, in the first leg about how Yiha was kind of changing things around and uh, changing things tactically and none of it really worked and we were asking if it's too much he stuck to 6-0 defense for 50 minutes in the game and that really shut down Luke Steins who had a stinker 
He really did. In the first half, he he got zero goals, one one assist. He in the second half, I think he got one goal and another assist. He they were able to shut him down. But then in the last ten minutes, Yeha goes, okay, we'll we'll give him a little razzle dazzle. We'll switch to a three two one defense and almost let PSG back in. Um, but uh, in the end, it came down to Stefan Weinhold who just steps up when you need him he, he kind of disappears you sometimes you f- forget that he's still playing at Kiel like he, <laughs> he's always there he's part of the furniture but when you need a goal in the last minutes he, he'll step up so uh, that's what he did and it, it sealed uh, a big win for Kiel and I was as I was starting this uh, sentence or paragraph I was going to say that I'm impressed by Kiel and I think they should be in that favorite rank, but then uh, I forgot about Peckler and the loss to them. So I have no idea. Yeah, it's definitely not easy. It's definitely not easy. So I think you're going to retire the whole idea of of Yika as a as a bottler as a coach. Then, given that he almost bottled it, switching to three two one defense, but in the end they got the job done against Paris. Well, like he had tried his best <laughs> to lose against PSG. He <laughs> really, really tried his best. Uh, it, it does help when you have a fantastic team, but no, uh, of course. I've eaten my words on Yika before, so uh, I support him as a top coach. If we talk about maybe Barca for a minute, obviously they have, they have Mem, who's like the, the star of the show. We, uh, of all women, every second we're sounding like a broken record at this stage when we talk about it, but we talk about winning Final Fours, you're going to need a good keeper performance. And of course, Paris de Vargas has been pretty incredible all season. But it kind of feels like he's the only the only keeper. I know they do have that Argentinian, but who never seems to play, basically. Do you think it's a slight risk when you go to a Final Four that Paris de Vargas might have an off half even, and all of a sudden then you might find yourself out of the Final Four? I think that's a good point. It's been kind of like Barcelona raising their level when Paris de Vargas raises their level in those top games. So being that reliant on the one goalkeeper is a risk. Interestingly enough, we have a final four where it's basically three very clear first choice goalkeepers in Paris de Vargas and Andy Wolf, who plays 60 minutes and Nicholas Andine, who is, you know, quite a bit ahead of Dario Krinstead for Kiel. And then for Vesprem, that's where the big duo is. We have Corrales and Chupara. Corrales has been the number one goalkeeper, but Chupara is able to step in. So that could be, you know, when we're talking about final fours, having that goalkeeper pairing might be a bit of a trump card for Vesprem. Yeah, because it, it was been all Rodrigo basically in the Champions League recently, but then Chupara then in the Hungarian Cup basically won it for them. So that is, yeah, it's, it's a good point. They have probably the best or the probably most in-form duo going, going into the Final Four. So they have a lot, they have a lot to call upon. I, I think I just really like the, I mean, I've gone, I've been going to Vesprem games for, for years now. And I do sort of get a very different vibe of this, of this Vesprem thing. I think one of the thing I, I do feel like they're not putting as much pressure on themselves from everything just you're here and in and around, in and around the club. And when you talk to some of the players before the game, there's just a, not as much expectation. And I think they, they said it, said it before the season that this was the first season they weren't aiming to get to the final four. And now they have, they've already, I think, probably overachieved in terms of their own personal goals within the team. So that's always 
going into a final four with that in mind, I think is always a always a positive. Looking at past results when we've seen so many underdogs lifting the trophy in the end, and I think Illich has done a lot better than I, I think a lot of people expected, and I think he's gained the respect of. Some of the players, like maybe like Nenadic, who has been a bit of a wild card, but it turned into an absolute gem for them. When you think back to his days at Fuchs Berlin, when it looked like he really was just playing for himself and you were going to the HF Cup finals and he was off sitting on his own, doing his own thing and all the players would be doing something else. So I think he, he's developed also and he's really kind of fed into the team. Uh, so I'm, I'm just personally really excited what this uh, Vesprem team can do because going into the Alborg game, they themselves were saying, uh, we don't fancy it. We don't fancy it too much. We don't really do too well against the Scandinavian style. But that first, that first uh, leg in the quarterfinals was just absolutely incredible. I'm not sure if they turned off the air conditioning on purpose just so they could sweat out the Scandinavians, but it seemed to, to work in some regard. And, uh, yeah. So I, I'm just generally quite excited about this. I don't know how you feel about this Vesprim side. Uh, absolutely. I, I like their unity, but I think we will probably leave the Champions League final for preview for another episode where we'll go, go into a bit more depth. The, the last point that I do want to mention is the preparation. So the Champions League final four has been moved uh, by a couple of weeks in, in the calendar. So it will be between the 17th and 19th of June. And that means there's a lot more games to play for a lot of these teams. The difference is that Kiel are going to be fighting for the Champions League lives in the Bundesliga. Veszprem are going to have some huge games against Zeget in the league finals. And then Kielsa just won the league, so they can pretty much play their under-18s team until then. And Barcelona have already started playing their under 18 team in the Spanish league because they've wrapped that up. So I think that's, that's one thing that, um, may influence the preparations going into that final four. But probably a more pressing final four to discuss is the European league final four, which is going to take place this weekend. Yeah. So we have Magdeburg versus Nexa in the first semi final. And then we've Płock versus Benfica. And I think probably unlike the, Champions League, I think here we do have a, a very, very clear favourite with the reigning champions, SC Magdeburg, looking to retain their European League title. And we have, of course, Nexa, their opponents, who are the first Croatian side to ever have made it to a final tournament. So there's going to be uh, a lot of support from Croatia coming their way. And then, of course, Płock, who made it to the final four, or the EHF finals last season, and they'll be looking to do one better after their massive disappointment today against Kielce. And then Benfica, of course, are going to be the hosts. So it's a very interesting mix there, especially when you add in Benfica uh, as hosts. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere, I'd imagine. And it's a, it's just an interesting mix of teams. And for the first time, or for the first time in a very long time, we only one German team, which kind of, I think, spices things up a bit. It definitely spices things up, and it is one German team, but what a German team it is. <laughs> Potentially the most informed team in world handball, who look like they have all but sealed the Bundesliga title and a place in the Champions League next year. They're going to be hot favourites. I think it really comes down to whether Benfica can harness the home crowd energy, if that 
is going to materialize. It's a huge arena uh, that they're playing in. The Altice Arena in Lisbon with a capacity of 15,100. Let's see how many of them seats that they can fill. I, I think we have seen Portuguese handball fans really turn up uh, for the big game. So I think it's it's very possible that that can be a sea of red for the weekend. I'm sure plenty of German uh, fans from Magdeburg fancy a trip to Lisbon uh, coming into the summer as well. So uh, plenty of them to be in that arena. And it's not too far away for uh, the Croatian fans. So, you know, if Benfica can harvest that home energy, we, we could see something special here. But for me, it, it's really difficult to look past Magdeburg. Yeah, I, be, I was thinking in every way possible how Nexe could put it, put it up to Magdeburg. But taking into consideration that they've lost them already twice this season pretty clearly. Uh, and I think maybe at this stage, Magdeburg might have figured out the whole Yaganyic uh, threat and I think Orkinexa maybe are a little bit one dimensional in that regard they do have a lot of fight in them and I think they probably feel like maybe they've kind of achieved a lot already by getting to getting to the semi-finals so unfortunately it might be the, the end of the road there for them in that in that semi but I think they will they should make a game of it but I still could imagine Magdeburg winning by four or five in the end um, whereas the other game Benfica Płock before this holy war today <laughs> I was actually fancying Płock but going on what you said there and going on what I've seen during the game I think it's going to be tough on them you know it's uh, especially with losing their playmaker Nico Mageja I think that's that's a, a really really big loss for them and then just the wear and tear of that of that whole encounter apart from Terzic of course who will be fresh as a daisy in defence there I haven't played 35 <laughs> seconds <laughs> but uh, yeah that'll be tough for them so I, I, if I was, to, I was to pick a final I probably would say it will be Magdeburg Benfica, which should be a good final as well. So I'll be I'll be looking forward to that. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I really I've been so impressed by Visa Plotsk, uh this year, and I saw them as a real challenger to ben, uh, to Magdeburg in this final four. But yeah, I, I just don't see how, as human beings, they can recover in time for to play two intense games in a final four. It's it's physically impossible. Uh, just That's one more point on Nexa. Uh, they just lost the the hidden derby in Croatia. Uh, did you hear that? Against Zagreb. Yeah, so if for some weird reason, Zagreb and Nexa were playing the Croatian Cup final pretty much behind closed doors. So there was 700 fans allowed in the arena, but there was no TV coverage. There, So the match was not recorded at all which is uh, pretty insane for times of today where, you know, it, probably the Irish League gets every handball <laughs> match recorded or posted live on Facebook. None of that was happening between the two biggest teams in Croatia, a real hotbed of handball, which is completely strange. Um, it did raise a few eyebrows. You know, people were wondering, you know, what's going on here? Is there something dodgy going on? I I think... In essence, the what happened was the TV rights holder in Croatia wasn't interested in the game, and then they blocked everything. So um, very strange. But in that game, it was Zagreb who came out on top, thirty-one twenty-seven. So you know that that's a probably a knock on Nexus' attitude as well. 
And if they're losing to Zagreb at all, um, I just don't see them beating Magdeburg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was only leg one in fairness, so they do have a chance to pull it back in the second leg. But yeah, I, I, I do agree. I can't see them doing a whole lot. Maybe a good 30 minutes against Magdeburg, but I think then just Magdeburg. just does so much in every position as well to offer. Unfortunately, I don't see that. I am looking forward looking forward to seeing uh, Georgic. I think he's been a bit of a... People have been sleeping on him a bit all season. I mean, he's putting up absolutely in- incredible numbers, but maybe because he goes under a bit the radar by playing his handball in Portugal, but he's on like 90 goals so far this season, which is absolutely bonkers. He'd be, he should be a joy to watch because he's, he's always... Uh, He's always quite reliable. Also, just with with Benfica sticking to their to our theme, they seem to have thrown away their chances of winning the Portuguese league. It, it kind of all makes sense, right? You know, the, these teams who are really um, uh, uh, the second best team in in their league, all combining, except for Magdeburg, who seem to be the ones that are breaking through. So maybe that's an omen for this final four. Um, but. It, it, Give us a few predictions here. So you're you're thinking in the match between Benfica and Vysoplotsk? I think it'll be maybe a three-goal win for Benfica. I think Plotsk, even despite all their troubles, I think they'll, they'll put up a good match. And I think, But I think Benfica maybe plus three. And then Magdeburg maybe plus five. And then we'll go for the final, maybe a plus two win for Magdeburg. Because <clears throat> I think a final is a final still. And I think Benfica, if they have the home support... We'll make an incredible game of it. So I'll say maybe just a two-goal win for Magdeburg. And maybe your MVP, maybe Damgard. He uh, seems to be playing pretty well in the European League recently. So maybe go for Damgard. Green would be an easy one to go for. But yeah, I think he was last year, wasn't he? Potentially. I remember. Yes. <laughs> Chris, Chris will just cut that out if, if that's wrong. <laughs> what are your predictions? I'm pretty close to you, except uh, I'm calling a one gate at one goal game in the final between Benfica and Magdeburg. I think we've seen Magdeburg uh, not struggle, but seem a bit vulnerable in the um, European League this season. They haven't really been the dominant force that you would think they are. So I think it's going to be a really, really tight game. But I think. At the end of the day, they, they just have the better players, the better squad, and look like champions elect. But I'm happy to be proven wrong. Yeah, it says a lot when you're saying they're not that up to form and haven't even lost a game in the European League. They've only drawn two, so that's uh, that's saying a lot about your standards you're setting for them this season. But yeah, I do, I do, know, I do know what you mean. Not totally infallible. Okay, should we leave it there? So we will have a full preview of the women's final four which is coming up in budapest uh, the uh, week next weekend from the second uh, sorry from the third until the fifth uh, of may i'll uh, give you full coverage there and of course then we'll also be giving you full coverage then with including a big preview of the men's final four in cologne from the from around the 16th till the 19th but that's all for today we hope you enjoyed it we'll see you next time hopefully we'll have daddy podcast back chris o'reilly we'll see you next time mm-hmm.